What's up, guys? We are live. What up, man? Let me switch up the branding here because we fed it today, baby. We are fed it today. So how are you guys doing? Hopefully you guys are having a great weekend. Um, let me know. I'm going to look in the chat right now. Let me know if we're uh, – give me ones in the chat if sound is good, and we're going to get going on this bad boy. We got a lot to talk about, people. A lot, man. We <laughs> Woo! Uh, give me ones in the chat if so, sound is – Let me mute that. My bad, guys. I'm, I'm a one-man show today, so – uh, okay, so I'm just monitoring the thing, making sure it's good. But yeah, give me ones in the chat. All right, cool. We got ones in the chat. All right, guys, welcome to the second episode of Fed It, okay? We are going to break down. I, I don't got a shirt and tie today, but I do have one of my old uh, raid shirts that I used to wear back in the day when we would, like, raid a house. You know what I'm saying? I will, you guys ain't never going to catch me wearing this out in public. But this is uh, in, in the back, obviously, you know. So, you know, this is what we used to wear back in the day. Uh, or when I did, when you know, whenever we hit a house or whatever, you know, you'd wear your vest and you put it over this, and then you know, obviously, this would clearly identify you. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, sound is unsynchronized. What? What is he? What, I don't know what that means. Uh, well, yeah, if if the sound is good to you guys, I see a bunch of ones in the chat. Um, uh, it's it's one man, so I'm not here with uh with Mo. But anyway, okay, cool guys. So today we're gonna talk about the YNW melly case all right guys and uh let's just get right into it okay um so i'm gonna share screen real quick because some of you guys might not know who this guy is um if you do fantastic if you don't i don't worry i got you regardless so um here let me find him real fast okay so i'm gonna show his wikipedia anytime we break down a celeb case what i'll do first guys is always break down the wikipedia page for y'all so y'all know exactly who i'm talking about so this is him Okay, this is YNW Melly. Uh, his name is Janelle Maurice Demons, born May 1st, 1999. Obviously, he's very young. Known professionally as YNW Melly, uh, Young Nigga World, is an American rapper and singer. He is best known for his songs, Murder My Mind, Mixed Personalities, and uh, he did a song with Kanye West, Suicidal, okay? And he also did one feature, uh, featuring uh, Juice World as well, a remix, I believe. Um, and then uh, in, November, in November 2019, he released his debut album, Melly vs. Melvin, peaking number eight on the Billboard. So the reason why it's called Melly vs. Melvin, guys, that this, uh, he said in interviews before that he has six different personalities and the world's only been exposed to, to three of them, okay? And and we're, we're going to touch on that a little bit more later on because uh, I, I don't know if he's all there mentally, uh, but fantastic musician. Uh, in February 2019, he was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and faced life imprisonment for the death penalty if convicted. He's also the suspect of a 2017 murder of a sheriff's deputy in Gifford, um, and this is where he's originally from, guys. Gifford, which is up there by, um, it's a little north past uh, Fort Pierce. Very small town, less than ten thousand people there. Poor town. Medium income is about thirty-five grand per year. Uh, so, and he was raised by his mom. His mom had him when he was fourteen years old, guys. So, I've done a little bit of research on his background, and everything. So, uh, let's go over his criminal history real quick. And I just want to make this very clear, guys. Like, your criminal history doesn't necessarily make you um, guilty. Okay, most of the time, your criminal history is used as an enhancement for when you actually do con get convicted, okay, especially in the federal system. In the state, I don't know how much it weighs, but in the federal system, uh, your your past convictions, remember, not just your past arrests, your past convictions, uh, you know, definitely add to your sentence. So um, let's see here. So he, he got arrested before for one count of discharging a firearm in public uh, after firing shots at three people near Vero Beach High School, uh, and he spent a year in jail because that in 2017 he was arrested again for violating probation, Spent several months in jail, released in 2018. And then uh, on June 30, 2018, in Fort Myers, Florida, who's arrested for possession of marijuana, a possession of weapon or ammunition by a convicted felon, and drug paraphernalia. Um, and then he was arrested again January 3rd, 3rd 2019, in Fort Myers, possession of marijuana. 
And then February 12th is obviously the case we're going to talk about now, okay, which is the, the double homicide, all right, the alleged double homicide. So, and then this one as well here, he was basically, the complex reported that he was, him and his buddy, Bortland, who's his co-defendant, who we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, his name is um, YNW Bortland, a.k.a. real name Cortland Henry, uh, was also a suspect in that. A stray bullet basically hit uh, an off-duty Indian River County Sheriff's Office deputy. Okay, so let me look at the chat real quick. Make sure uh, I'm not missing anything here. Okay, so guys, for the rest of this, um, for the rest of the uh, the show, I'm going to refer to Melly as just Melly, even though the uh, his last name is Demons, which is fitting, <laughs> and um, and I'm going to refer to his buddy as Henry, or, or, or yeah, I'm going to refer to his buddy as Henry. So Melly and Henry are the two defendants, okay? So I'm going to give you guys a basic overview of, of what happened. Uh, they were coming from a music st studio, right? And uh, when they were coming from the music studio, they, they said that they got shot at by a drive-by shooting. And um, basically, the police uh, didn't buy the story. They did a lot of investigation, which we're going to break down here in thorough detail. And basically, this is a very strong case from what I've read, guys. And I, and I want you guys to go along with me here so you guys can let me know what you guys think. But um, the case is heavily circumstantial, okay? And what circumstance, circumstantial evidence means, guys, is that on its own, independently, the evidence is weak, but when you combine it with other pieces of circumstantial evidence, it builds a story and makes the case far stronger, okay? So this case is heavily circumstantial, but the way the prosecution is going to present the case and the way the, the prosecution has already shown the facts, there is really no other real viable option, okay? Um, and I'm going to break down at the end the, the, the state's strengths and weaknesses and the, and the defense's strengths and weaknesses at the end. So let's start breaking this bad boy down. So what I'm going to show you guys is the actual arrest and uh, court paperwork for this case, okay? So give me one second here. I'm going to pull it up, and we're going to read this bad boy together, okay, guys? And I took notes uh, on each portion, so we're going to go through this thing very, very thoroughly. Uh, let's see here. Okay. All right, bam. So this is the arrest paperwork, okay? So here is the booking uh, report, right? As you can see um, right here, this is the day he was arrested. He turned himself in on uh, February 13, 2019, right, at about 9 p.m. or almost 10 p.m. Uh, and then here are the charges, murder premeditated, murder one, two counts, okay? Um, and just so you guys know, this this charge carries a death penalty. Florida is one of the states that still has the death penalty, guys. So um, keep that in mind as well. Okay. Uh, and Mods, thank you so much for helping me out with the chat because I won't be looking at it too much. Um, you know, I'll, I'll glance over it uh, every now and then, but uh, I'm focused on like breaking this thing down for y'all. So okay. So remember how I told you guys that there's really mostly there's two ways to get like an arrest warrant for someone. You can uh, get them indicted. You can go to a grand jury and present your case. Right. If you guys didn't watch it, go check the other episode out where I broke down probable cause and everything else like that. But um, and don't worry, guys, I will answer questions at the end of the show. OK, I'll definitely answer questions. At the end of the show. So hold them. Hold them uh, at the end. OK, so <clears throat> so you got uh, an indictment where you go and present your case in front of a grand jury. Right. And then they return a true bill, which means they're formally charging him. Or you could submit something called an affidavit as the investigator. Right. So in this case, a defendant, uh, defendant a detective, right, wrote up an affidavit 
brought it to a judge, swore to it that it's true and correct to the best of his knowledge, right? Once he signed it, once once the judge signed it, he gets an arrest warrant and then he goes and uh, picks up Melly. But in this case, you know, with celebrities, they self-surrender 99% of the time because all you got to do is just, hey, you're wanted, hit up his publicist, hit up his manager, and he, he, you know what I'm saying? He's going he's gonna to surrender nine out of ten times. Very rarely do celebrities, like, go on the run. And if they do, it's very stupid because they get caught very easily. But anyway, this is uh, the probable cause affidavit here, okay? Um, uh, let's see. It looks like the detective's name here is Garcia Nestor uh, from, uh, let's see, Broward Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office? No. What? Okay. So, uh, no, don't, disregard that. But, yeah, Garcia Nestor, that's the officer name, right? And then uh, notice of confidential information. So this is, yeah, this is just some court stuff here, right? So let's get to it, right? So here we go. This is the uh, the actual thing. Here's here Jam- Jamel Demons. Remember, guys, this is YNW Melly. So every time you guys see Demons, that's going to be Melly. And then uh, YNW Bortland is Henry or Cortland Henry, okay? So uh, let's see here. Let's scroll this down. And these are his two uh, two alleged victims, by the way, too. Let me share this with y'all real fast. These are the two the two victims. I'll show you guys. Bear with me here, guys. So. All right. These are his two victims right here, guys. So um, Anthony Williams and Christopher Thomas Jr., okay, a.k.a. Uh, YNW Shuvi. And YNW uh, Sack Chaser. Sack Chaser's on the left, guys. The, the darker skin in the, uh, guy. And then um, Christopher Thomas, a.k.a. YNW Chuvi, is on the right, the lighter skin guy. These are his two best friends, guys, childhood friends. They all grew up in Gifford together. Okay, so um, that's why this this case is so, uh, it's a little strange. I'm not going to lie to you. But these are the two victims here. Okay, they were on his label. They also uh, made music, and they were um, good friends with him. So... Or at least until uh, this thing allegedly happened. So, all right. So let's pull up this affidavit again and let's break this thing line by line. And as I read it, guys, I'm going to stop and tell you, like, why the detectives probably did what they did. Okay. So I'm going to actually, like, go through and tell you all the investigative techniques and what was probably going through their mind when they took each investigative endeavor. Like I told you all before, this case is heavily circumstantial. But, right, with circumstantial evidence, when you couple it with other pieces of circumstantial evidence the case gets stronger and stronger and it snowballs okay so uh bam okay so share screen let's pull up this bad boy again bear with me guys it's been a while since i've done this myself uh where are we bam okay all right so here's the affidavit guys right like i told you Right. So here um, and he brought this to the judge and the judge signed it. So here we go. Murder in the first degree with a firearm. So this is the synopsis on or about 26th of October in the year of 2018 in the county of Broward, state of Florida. Jamel Demons and Cortland Henry did then and there unlawfully and feloniously while acting as principals kill and murder Anthony Williams, a human being, by shooting him with a firearm with a premeditated intent to cause the death of said Anthony Williams. And during the course thereof, Jamel Demons did actually possess and discharge a firearm. And as a result, uh, death was inflicted on Anthony Williams, contrary to uh, sections. And then that's the Florida statute right there, 782, right? And then uh, the next one here is, uh, so Anthony Williams is the first one. And then count two is Christopher Thomas, okay? So uh, remember, guys, just so you know, Williams is the darker skin guy. And Thomas is the lighter skin guy, okay? So Williams is YNW. Chuvi, Sack Chaser, the darker skin guy, and then Thomas, YNW Chuvi, is the lighter skin guy. All right. 
And this is going to be important because they, they, they were sitting in a car. And I'm going to show you guys a diagram as well. Don't worry. I got y'all, baby. Okay, so here the, here's a probable cause, okay? Now we're, now we're going to get into meat and bones of this bad boy. On October 26, 2018, at 4.35 a.m., Cortland Henry, YNW Melly's friend, entered the emergency room at Miramar, um, Memorial Miramar. And they put the address requesting assistance for two passengers in his vehicle, a 2018 Jeep Compass, okay? As they were shot multiple times. A Miramar officer, a Mengor, who was working the security detail, exited the hospital and made contact with the aforementioned vehicle that was stopped in the loading zone on the north side of the Memorial uh, Miramar Hospital. Okay, just so you guys know, um, nine out of ten times, any like a uh, fairly big hospital is almost always going to have uh, a police officer there in uniform. Okay, just as security or whatever it is. So this is very common that a police officer would be there to be the first one on scene to deal with something like this, okay? Especially for uh, any type of gunshot wound, trauma, whatever, because that's automatically got to be reported to law enforcement. So he's going to be there probably to take the first report and then call detectives over depending on what type of situation it is, okay? So um, both passengers were unresponsive and exhibited multiple gunshot wounds. The aforementioned vehicle transporting both uh, victims also uh, sustained a minimum of eight projectile entry points on the right side exterior and one visible projectile point to the rear lift gate, okay? So this is important, guys, so keep that in mind. There's eight shots, okay, on the right side of the vehicle when they pull up, and he's coming in with two guys that are bloody and non-responsive, okay? And let me make sure uh, y'all are all good in the chat real fast. How are my ninjas in the chat? Okay, are y'all good before I keep going? Okay, give me ones in the chat if we're good, good, good. All right, perfect, I think we're good here. So, all right, so let's go back to what we were looking at. Okay, good. All right, got a bunch of goods. Okay, so we're at the second paragraph here. The front pass, the front right passenger, Anthony Williams, remember guys, the, the dark-skinned guy, sustained gunshot wounds to his torso and head, while the rear passenger, Christopher Thomas Jr., sustained several gunshot wounds to his back and head. Both passengers on the right side of the vehicle were pronounced deceased by medical staff at the Memorial Miramar Hospital, okay? So they pretty much were DOA, guys, dead on arrival, all right? Gunshot wounds to the head, and uh, they were both on the right side of the vehicle. So front passenger seat, front uh, and and uh, right uh, front passenger right hand front passenger seat, and then the right back back seat. Okay, and then we're going to talk about where Melly and and Henry was driving. His buddy Henry was was driving. Um, so let's see here. So here we go. This is where stuff starts to get question. It starts to get questionable. So. Right here, Henry was questioned by this affiant. According to him, he departed a recording studio in Fort Lauderdale. So just so y'all know, as soon as they pulled up, that that police officer that was on scene got the two two dead bodies. He called homicide immediately. And homicide detectives typically, guys, work 24-7. They're on call. So, um, you know, they, they have that show, The First 48. The reason why homicide detectives um, uh, respond immediately like this, because granted, this is 4.30 in the morning, guys. Somebody had to call them and they show up and respond, is because a murder cases... If you don't make a substantial amount of uh, progress in the first 48 hours, haha, the TV show, it's very unlikely you're not you're not going to solve the case because with murder cases, you need to be able to preserve the evidence. Okay, when it, when we're talking about DNA, ballistics, weapons, etc., um, you need to be able to get in there, investigate immediately, and get all the evidence you can while you can, and or at bare minimum, preserve the crime scene that you can add so that you can adequately assess it, process it. Get the evidence that you need, etc. So, um, so that's why. So this detective rolls out there immediately, and the affiant guys, just so you know, is the detective that wrote this uh, this document. So he is probably the lead detective on this case, which means he's the primary investigator, all right? And it's his case because there's always a case 
officer, case detective, case agent, whatever it is, it's your case. You're the one that's presenting it to the prosecutor, etc. So according to him, so here's here's where things start getting uh, very interesting, okay, guys? And you guys are going to see what I mean by this here in a second. So Henry was questioned by the detective. According to him, he departed a recording studio in Fort Lauderdale with two victims in his vehicle. Henry said he drove on I-595 and I-75 and exited at Miramar Parkway heading west. So just so you all know, these, these are big, um, very, um, these are um, interstate highways uh, in Florida, all right? Uh, you, you don't need to know that, but all you need to know is that he said the biggest thing is that he left with the two guys. He's leaving Melly out. He's not saying Melly was in the car. Henry immediately, so he goes, Henry stated that just past uh, Southwest 160th Ave, Dykes Road, a vehicle pulled next to him and started shooting. Henry immediately lowered his body position to the floorboards in a protective posture to avoid being shot. Okay, remember, he's driving the vehicle. Henry added that when he sat upright, his friends, Williams and Thomas, were shot and he immediately proceeded to the nearest hospital. Okay. Detective Toya, Toyota, later um, drove with Henry to have him identify the specific location of where the shooting occurred. Henry pointed out the 161100 uh, uh, block of Miramar Parkway. It should be noted. The area was shut down between 160th Ave and 172nd Ave on Miramar Parkway and was closely examined for any evidence to corroborate the statements made by Henry. After a long and exhausting examination, no evidence was found. So remember how I told you guys? They respond immediately and they make things happen. So they close off the area that Henry pointed out. He's like, hey, we got shot here, right? They go, they close that bad boy off, send detectives, CSI, everybody, everyone's scouring the thing for bullets, blood, whatever it is, right? Trying to find fragments of uh, evidence so that they go after these alleged drive-by shooters, right? So let's continue on. Uh, And no corroborating evidence was found, okay? So this is first red flag number one. Okay. Next, Henry's hands were processed by Miramar Police Department crime scene technician Michael Kelly first by submission for laboratory testing with Tritech gunshot residue evidence. Long story short, guys, they processed his hands to see if he had any type of gunshot residue in his hands, and it came back negative. So they can conclude that he did not shoot a gun. All right. On October 26, 2018. Uh, this, yeah, and guys, don't worry. I'm going to hit you with the Metal Gear Solid thing. Every time a suspect happens, all right? <laughs> so on October 26th, this affiant along with, uh, with Detective Toyota made contact with Dontavius Wither, okay, who initially identified himself as uh, Dontavius Williams at 18521 Southwest 44th Street. This is the last known residence of the victim. So now they go and talk to a potential witness, okay, guys? So you guys know what's going on here. So step one, they go to, to the alleged crime scene, process it, no evidence. So at this point, the detectives are like, what the hell's going on? So now they're going to start interviewing people to try to figure out what the story is, okay? So, um, and these, this is the last known residence of where the victims lived, right? So this guy, Williams, this witness, uh, or AKA, AKA Wither, right? We'll just say call him Wither, okay? Um, Wither says, they, Henry, Melly, Thomas Williams, right? The, the two victims and uh, Henry and Demons, a.k.a. Melly, were at a recording studio in Fort Lauderdale and all left together in two separate vehicles, okay? Withers stated he arrived a little ahead of the victims at the aforementioned residence. Withers stated it wasn't until later that he found out his friends were shot. Withers said that Demons, a.k.a. remember guys, Melly, was in his vehicle, a red Mitsubishi, and the gray Jeep was occupied by Henry Williams and Thomas. So remember guys, they were driving in a Jeep. The murder occurred in a Jeep. But Withers is over here saying that Melly was with him in his red Mitsubishi, okay? And Henry also stated that Melly was not with him in the vehicle, okay? So this is very important. You got two people here saying that Melly was not in the Jeep, okay? Um, so they go, so the police uh, the police asked Withers, 
if they knew the location of Melly, because at this point they want to talk to Melly, right? And he stated he did not. However, it was later discovered that Withers was lying to the affiant, a.k.a. the detective, and he, Withers, had just come from a residence of Frederick Givens, a.k.a. Fredo Bang, and had been in the presence of demons. Okay. All right. So that's another red flag. We got witnesses lying now. All right. So we got one story that's not adding up with, with, the, with, the, uh, with the guy that was driving the car, Henry, and then now Withers' story isn't checking out either. The location of so this so next they go to the recording studio. All right. Hold on, let me just open this here. Make sure y'all are good in the chat. My ninjas. All right. And yo, guys, give me give me some fire emojis in the chat if you guys are enjoying this breakdown. We we're not even getting to the good stuff yet, man. Oh Lord, we're really about to break this bad boy down. And what I'm trying to do is I read this affidavit for you guys. I'm trying to give you guys what the detectives were doing as they were do- making taking each investigative step, okay? Because I want you to kind of learn how, how police run investigations. Awesome. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Let's keep going on this bad boy. So you got two stories that aren't adding up, right? So next, now they're going to go to the recording studio. The location of the recording studio is identified as 805 Northeast 4th Street, okay, in Fort Lauderdale, which is about 30 minutes from here, actually, guys. I'm very familiar with the studio. A lot of artists uh, go record over there. Detectives the Toyota and Bertrand made contact with management on 1026 2018. The manager of the studio, Albert Price, confirmed the victims were at the recording studio along with Jamel Demons, aka Melly, guys, and Cortland Henry. The manager provided Toyota and Bertrand access to the studio security cameras. Video evidence shows on 1026 2018, the aforementioned Gray Jeep departed the New Era studio um, at 3.20 in the morning. Okay? And they say, see, they mentioned here the video is behind uh, one hour. So the driver was identified as Cortland Henry, right, a.k.a. YNW Bortland. And the left rear passenger was Jamel Demons. So they got this on video, guys, <laughs> okay, that he, got in the, in the, uh, he, that he got in the left rear passenger seat behind Bortland. Now, remember, guys, Henry never mentioned Melly, okay, and the other witness, Withers, said that um, Melly was with him. But now they got video evidence showing that Melly actually got in the Jeep. <laughs> okay? Let's keep going. Uh, the right front passenger was Anthony Williams. Remember, guys, the light-skinned victim? or uh, the, No, the right front passenger was Anthony Williams, the darker-skinned guy, and the right rear passenger was Christopher Thomas Jr., the lighter-skinned guy, right? So dark-skinned guy in the front, dark, the lighter-skinned guy in the back. It should be noted that Demons had a light brown satchel, a.k.a. Melly, hanging down on the left side of his body. The satchel appeared to be weighed down, but the contents were unknown. When Christopher Thomas Jr. departed the studio, he was carrying a black satchel in his left hand. Okay? And just for references again, guys, right? I want you guys to really uh, get this. Um, let's see here. Uh, so Chris, Chris Thomas, the guy that was sitting next to Melly, also had a satchel that was weighing down. So... Potentially, he might also have had a gun on him, all right, because they were being weighed down. But we don't know. This is speculation, right? But this is what the detective is telling you is what he saw. Okay, um, so here we go. The gray Jeep with the above-listed individuals, Demons, Henry, Williams, and Thomas, departed the area. So now the detectives have it on video that Melly, his co-defendant, and the two victims departed together. The red Mitsubishi, driven by Withers, was uh, uh, was occupied by Adrian Davis and two other individuals followed behind. 
Okay? So Melly was not in the red Mitsubishi like Withers said. Cap. Okay? Stop the cap. Now. So that's number three now, right? So I stated earlier, Withers said he proceeded directly to his residence in Miramar. Okay? This was confirmed by the security cameras at the gatehouse at the Sunset Lakes. This is his where he lived, guys. So they actually looked at surveillance footage of the apartment complex he looked at. Okay? He lived at. All right? The video surveillance cameras at 1700 Miramar Parkway captured the red Mitsubishi and a dark SUV passing southwest uh, 172nd Ave at 300, uh, 3, uh, 346 a.m. This is consistent with the arrival of the red Mitsubishi at the security gates to Sunset Lakes at 349. Withers had to stop and be identified to enter the residence by the security guards as observed on video. Okay, why is this important, guys? They're building a timeline now, okay? They're basically showing you were here, you traveled in this direction. It's going to set the stage for what's going to come next year very soon. You guys are going to see what I'm talking about. So, as you guys see, there's a lot of holes already, right? So what do the police do? They go ahead and get a search warrant. Because now they have conflicting stories and they have probable cause to say, I need to search this car, judge. Judge, these guys are, gave us a story. I have two dead people. I, I, I searched the crime scene. I couldn't find anything. I believe, right, that I am going to find probable cause in this vehicle, right? So this is going to be an easy search warrant. They write up the affidavit. Judge signs it. Bam, they get a search warrant, right? So now they go and search the Jeep that the four individuals were in that we now know were in there. Henry did not tell the police at this point that Melly was in the vehicle with him and we got Withers lying. So obviously the police are on high alert. Now they get the search warrant. Here we go. Um, the vehicle was maintained in a secure garage at the Miramar PD West substation. Okay, so guys, normally when uh, the police sees a vehicle, they'll put it in impound and they'll secure it there pending a search warrant. The vehicle is owned by Enterprise Car Rental and rented by the manager of Demon, Demons, a.k.a. Melly, Jameson Francois. The evidence was processed by CSI's Carter and Carroll, okay? The vehicle had eight visible projectile holes on the right side of the vehicle. Remember how I told you guys before there were bullet holes on the right-hand side of the car? There was also a projectile hole on the rear lift gate. The vehicle also had visible damage to the interior of the vehicle from projectiles entering from the outside to the inside of the vehicle. A significant amount of blood was on the inside of the passenger side of the vehicle front and back. Obviously, those are where the two victims were shot. All the projectiles entering the vehicle were concentrated to the right side of the vehicle, passenger side. Okay, guys, make a note of that. That's very important. We're going to talk about why this is relevant later on. But the vehicles were on the right. The, the, the bullets were all coming from the right-hand side, right? All the evidence was collected and placed into evidence. It should be noted that one single 40 caliber shell casing, Blazer and S&W, was found inside the vehicle on the floorboard of the left rear passenger side. Oh, Lord! <laughs> All right. If you got shot in a drive-by shooting, how's there a bullet inside the vehicle? Oh, shit! Oh, shit! This was the seat that was utilized by demons as observed on the video, okay? This single shell casing also contradicts statement made by, statements made by Henry stating this incident was a drive-by shooting. This supports the evidence that the victims were shot inside the car first and the projectile holes on the exterior was later staged in an effort to misdirect law enforcement investigation. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're not even getting into the bad stuff yet, guys. So... Uh, someone asked, do, do we have the video? No, I don't have the surveillance footage uh, of, of them getting in the vehicle together. 
but um but yeah it's 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 definitely they they have it um i don't know if that's actually public all right so let's keep going here so um on 1027, so remember, guys, how they interviewed that Withers guy who said, oh, no, Melly got in the car with me in my red Mitsubishi. So the detective, <laughs> now with this conflicting information, he goes running back over, right, to the to the guy that lied to him, a.k.a. Withers. <laughs> right? And he's like, hey, you. Hadouken! You lied, buddy. So he confronts him, right? <laughs> After confronting Withers with the video evidence, he, Withers, then changed his story. Oh, Lord. Hadouken! All right. He said Demons was in the gray Jeep initially, but along the way he got out of the Jeep and entered the red Mitsubishi. Withers stated this occurred on I-75 near the Sheridan Street exit. Withers stated he was contacted by Melly via Snapchat to pull over on I-75 and meet up. Guys, make a note of that one because that's going to be very important later on. So he's saying first he said Melly was in the car with him. Then the police find the video footage to show that Melly actually got in the Jeep. Then they go back to him and say, hey, you lied. He's like, oh, but hold on. He did get in the car with me. He just got in the car with me later on. We stopped on I-75 and he just jumped in the vehicle and asked me to pull up and we communicated through Snapchat. Keep that in mind. All right, guys? So what do the police do? <laughs> Skeptical cops come back again. Get another search warrant. A search warrant was obtained on the cell phones, cell sites used by Demons, Withers, Williams, and Thomas. Cell phone mapping showed Demons, a.k.a. Melly, Thomas and Williams were together and Withers followed behind them. It was determined that Withers did proceed to the residence, right, where he lived, at 18, uh, 18521 Southwest 44th Street and arrived at said location around 3.49 a.m. And remember, they got the surveillance footage to back this up. This was also confirmed by the video at the gate to Sunset Lakes. These records also showed a continuous route from the studio to the residence without a stop or delay in between. <sighs> oh lord so he literally just told them i stopped on the side of the road and melly got in my car but they got the the cell phone footage the cell phone location stuff that shows the, the the car never stopped okay so he went straight home he never stopped he was on a continuous route the whole time now guys just let me break this down for y'all what uh a, a cell phone slash cell sites are I'm very familiar with this because I used to do drug cases. So phone ha phones have location data in them, right, guys? And what you can do is, as an investigator, you can do apply for a search warrant, which is basically either a ping, which lets you actively, right? And let me, let me, let, I'll, 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 we'll, um, actually, you know what? Let me, uh, let me see here. Okay, I'll break down all, all this phone stuff here for, for you guys in a second. Let's, or actually, you know what? No, no. Let me break it down first, then we'll continue reading so you guys know what I'm talking about here. All right, let me just stop sharing this real quick. We're on page uh, 12. All right. All right, guys. So, all right. Let me break this down for y'all. So, cell site data, phone data, etc. So, you can do something called a ping warrant, which is when you basically, like, can find, right? You can, like, actively track someone's phone, right? You apply, hey, I believe... This subject is involved in drug trafficking, or I believe this subject is involved in uh, money laundering or whatever, and I need his location to actively build an investigation on him because I can't surveil him, right? right? So that's, that's one thing. Then you got historical cell site data, which will let you basically get the, the, guy's, um, the guy's pattern, right? Almost like of where his phone was located over a period of time. This is very common in murder cases, 
uh, drug trafficking cases, anything where like something crazy happened and they need to be able to establish the location of the individual when said crime occurred. So obviously they have all, see how the, the, the detectives are building a case? So they get all these inconsistent stories. First they got Henry going in there saying, oh, I, I, we got hit with a drive-by shooting, right? Then they got Withers saying, oh, uh, Melly was with me in the car. Then they go and get the footage in the, in the, um, at the music studio, see that that's not true, that those two guys lied. Then on top of that, the projectiles don't line up with the way, um, the, the, with the way the guys were wounded, right? Which we're going to talk about that in even more detail, right? And then they found a shell casing in the car when they did the search warrant of the car. So from there, now they have enough probable cause to say, hey, judge, I need to know where Melly was, where and Bortland was, the two defendants, and I need to also know where this Withers guy was, right? So what they're effectively doing now is they're getting everyone's location with timestamps to match it back to the solid video they have from the surveillance. Okay, that's why this is so critical. So cell site data, ping data, very common tactic used by law enforcement to get uh, to, to get your location, right? Especially when you're alleging you were somewhere when you really weren't, which we're clearly starting to see here, all right? So that's how the detectives were able to get it and build a case and get the probable cause to be able to uh, get people's location. This is actually very common. All right. And getting these uh, through the state is a lot easier through getting it through the feds. So, OK, let's continue on breaking this bad boy down. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Give me one in the chat if you guys are enjoying this breakdown. OK, I know we're going very thorough here, but uh, I want you all to I want to break down each thing and uh, each investigative technique that the detectives are using. So you all know how they built the case against him. OK, so I take a sip of this thing here. Fantastic. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. Because I'm very familiar with these warrants myself because I used to do this all the time for my drug cases. Because you can't surveil a guy, guys. Like, if someone's a drug trafficker, right, they're, they're, doing, they're, they're driving all weird. They're taking weird turns and shit like that. You can't surveil these dudes. They're going to know. So you need to be able to, like, track their phones or track people they know's phones. And you have to come up with quite a bit of probable cause to be able to, to find them. It's called a ping warrant. You know, very, very common technique used by law enforcement. But in this case, it was used to establish location of, uh, of murders, which you guys are going to see here why this has become so critical. All right, so let's get back to it. All right, so let's go back here. All right, cool. All right, we're on page 12. So here we are, okay? So they did they did the search they, they did the the first one, right? Search warrant for cell cell phones and cell sites used by demons, right? And it basically triangulates where they were. Then the cell site warrant for the cell phones of Demons Thomas and Williams revealed they traveled west on Miramar Parkway but turned north on Southwest 184th Ave towards Pine Boulevard and then turned west on Pines Boulevard. Video evidence shows the gray Jeep compass traveling west in the 19, uh, uh, 19200 block uh, at 353 and returned eastbound at 406. Cell site data from Demons cell phone, a.k.a. Melly, which is very important, cell phone corresponded with the actual crime scene location which is within the jurisdictional limits of Miramar, Broward County, Florida. Williams' cell phone also registered at the same location. Remember, guys, Williams is YNW Bortland and Demons is Melly. Okay, those, these are the two defendants in the case. The cell phone for Thomas registered... Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, da -da -da. Okay. William's cell phone also registered at the same location as Demons. That's the victim. The cell phone for Thomas registered on a cell phone tower near the crime scene, but separate and apart from the false reported drive-by location. This evidence contradicts statements made by Henry at the hospital as it shows a different path traveled. These records also don't show Demons meeting up with Withers and proceeding home with him. Oh, Lord. 
So do y'all see what just happened here? So basically, the cell phones show that Melly was with his co-defendant the entire time and never got into Mitsubishi with the other guy, Withers, okay? And the victims were also in the vehicle. So now they're putting them all together in the Jeep. And another location, not the same location that YNW Bortland, a.k.a. Melly's co-defendant, originally told detectives. It was somewhere else. T-Mobile cell phone records show that Demons was traveling from Fort Lauderdale in a western direction starting at 3.20 in the morning until the time of the shooting at 10.26. This was consistent with video evidence obtained in the case. The records then showed Melly traveling back in an eastern direction with the location of the crime scene being in the path of travel. It should be noted that the original crime scene identified by Henry was a false location. This investigation revealed that Henry intentionally lied to this investigator and others to deceive and mislead the investigation in an attempt to hide the incriminating truth pertaining to the homicides of Thomas Williams. Okay, let me break this down real quick. I don't like that he wrote this in this affidavit, okay? I would never write this uh, as an investigator. You, you, your job is to present the facts and not come up with conclusions, right? Obviously, at this point, he's like, yo, these motherfuckers are lying. I'm going to put this in the affidavit, but... You, you should just let the facts speak for themselves and then let the reader come to that conclusion on their own. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of the difference between the state and feds. I would never get away with being able to write this in affidavit on the, on the federal level. You know, AUSAs are extremely picky. They would never let this fly. But he's right. He ain't lying. He's making facts. Like, yo, these, these guys lying, bro. Like, come on. Like, stop the cap. But, you know, for you to put that in affidavit, <laughs> you should be doing that. But anyway, let's continue on, right? These same cell phone records show the cell phones of Demons and Williams moving around the area west of I-75 and Pembroke Pines at 425 in the morning. Remember, guys, they went to the hospital at 435 in the morning, so 10 minutes before he went to the hospital. Prior to entering the hospital at 435, the records of Demons also indicate a departure from the vehicle at 432. Oh, Lord! Three minutes before he went to the hospital, it shows that Melly got out of the car. <laughs> the cell phone records. All right? According to the CDR of Demon's cell phone, he separated from the cell, from the cell phone belonging to Williams around 4.32. This was according to the records provided by T-Mobile via a search warrant issued in reference to this case. Evidence shows that Henry and Demons drove around for a period of time with the two dead victims in their vehicles prior to entering the hospital. This was in a calculated effort to establish their version of the incident in an attempt to deceive law enforcement. See, I wouldn't put that last sentence in there, too. You're good enough with showing that Demons get out the car right before. Um, the, the Because here's the thing, guys. They, they pulled... Cell phone, cell phone location data for all the phones, the victims and the suspects, okay? Because if I'm not mistaken, all of them were on um, Melly's plan. Melly had a T-Mobile plan for everybody. So probably not the best idea, but <laughs> I digress, all right? So they were able to get all the, the location data for all the phones to establish that Melly was there with them in the vehicle, all right? Whew. Okay, so here's another, uh, so... <laughs> I see, I see y'all uh, <laughs> having fun in the chat. So, and guys, do me a quick favor. While you guys are in here watching this thing, please like the video, bro. Because, guys, I, I, uh, I, I, for, uh, I didn't, um, I was focused on, t you know, taking notes for this bad boy instead of dealing with bimbos on the boat. People were laughing at me like, oh, are you working on the boat? Yes, I was working on the boat to make sure I give y'all the best breakdown of this case. All right? So, now they have video evidence, right, from the hospital when Henry showed up with the two bodies, right? Uh, A.K.A. Y.W. Bortland, the co-defendant. So uh, evidence uh, obtained from the hospital shows Henry had changed his clothes. When Henry departed the studio, he was wearing a black T-shirt, but at the hospital, he was wearing a black hoodie. The black hoodie was later examined and no forensic evidence was noted. However, the black T-shirt worn under the hoodie by Henry had a bloodstained pattern on it, both front and back. Okay. 
Now, on <laughs> see now this now, now the police are about to start going hard, guys. Check this out. On November twenty first, twenty eighteen, okay, about a month, uh, uh, less than a month later, Officer D. Goins of the Fort Lauderdale Canine Unit with Canine Gunner. So remember, guys, it's Miramar Police Department that's doing this case. So they call Fort Lauderdale Police Department to help them out because they have a canine unit. All right was requested to assist in searching the area identified as suspect crime scene from the cell phone records. So, guys, remember, Henry told them, hey, we got hit with a drive-by shooting over here. They went to check that area. They couldn't find no shell casings, no bullets, no glass, no nothing. But when they look at the cell phone records, they find a rural area of where they suspect the crime actually happened. So they get a canine that is um, trained to detect probably this gun. This this dog is probably uh, trained to detect uh, bullets. So... Um, the canine showed reaction to an area on the side of the road approximately 870 feet from the nearest north-slash-south running cross street, okay? And just so y'all know, like, what the canines have names, and they're considered, like, sworn officers themselves, just so y'all know. So the dog has a badge number and all that stuff, right? And then if if called to testify, right, the the the, the canine handler can come in and talk about the dog, how the dog is trained, etc. They'll go over, you know, what the dog is specifically trained to do, whatever. So these dogs are legitimately, like... Sworn officers almost. You know what I'm saying? They're worth a lot of money. Like you, one of these dogs is like 10 to 20 grand. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they bring the dog in, right? And they bring it to the area that they suspect is the real crime scene. All right? So the dog hits on one of the areas. A70, uh, 870 feet from the near slash north slash running north slash south running cross exit. A closer examination revealed a total of what? Eight. 40 caliber blazer S&W shell casings on the ground next to the roadway in the shoulder. Two different types of shards of glass were found in close proximity to the shell casings. The first type of glass was a clear glass consistent with the front right passenger window of the vehicle and the second type was a tinted glass consistent with the right uh, rear passenger side of the vehicle of the aforementioned vehicle. This crime scene was processed by CSI Curry. The casings were sent to the BSO Crime Lab, Broward County Sheriff's Office, for comparison and evaluation. A closer examination of the newly discovered crime scene revealed the vehicle was stopped at this location and weapons were discharged into the vehicle. The vehicle made a U-turn and fled the area. The other side of the road also had shards of glass consistent with the passenger windows of the vehicle. This was a contradiction to the statement made by Henry on the morning of the shooting at the hospital to this affiant. This was clearly not a drive-by shooting and no other vehicle pulled up next to them and started shooting as stated by Henry. This clearly shows a pattern of deceitfulness by Henry, all in an effort to mislead this investigation. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! So now, guys, they identified a new crime scene, the, the real crime scene. They found eight bullet casings there. The dog hit on it, and they find shards of glass consistent with the Jeep rental that they had. <laughs> and, met, and remember, Henry did not tell them any of this. All right? Lord, man. All right. So let's continue on. On November, and they're not done. Guys, it gets, <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> on November 26, 2018, all right? Another search warrant was obtained for the 2018 Jeep Compass previously mentioned. So these guys, <laughs> and I'm sorry, guys, that I'm like laughing about this or whatever, because I'm I'm thinking like the investigator right now, right? So these niggas get another search warrant. 
<laughs> That's how you know they had a hard on. Like they were like, yo, I'm doing another search warrant on this goddamn thing. And look at what they do. All right. The vehicle was maintained, and, and the, the reason why they say this, guys, the vehicle was maintained in secured storage at the Miramar PD West substation. The reason why they say that is because they're basically telling, telling you that, listen, we got a search warrant the first time. We found this evidence. We got a search warrant the second time, but the whole time pending the second search warrant, the vehicle was in a locked, secure location, so it was preserved. Okay, they, they have to mention that to the judge. That's why they keep repeating themselves on that. That's why it's so important. So CSI's Michael Kelly and Carroll conducted a trajectory analysis using rods and string to determine flight path of the projectiles according to their analysis. One of the projectiles entered the vehicle and struck the opposite side of the vehicle in a manner inconsistent with the vehicle being in motion. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! Oh, shit! The trajectory analysis determined the flight path of eight projectiles that entered from the rear left gate area and eight bullet flight paths had entered from the right passenger side. <laughs> Guys, in English, that basically means there was no way that the two victims could have been shot in a drive-by shooting the way Henry described based on the way the, um, the injuries happened and also on the way how the victims were sitting and where the bullets came from, okay? They literally recreated the bullet trajectories to show that there's no way that Henry's story would have, would, would have uh, matched up, okay? <laughs> the vehicle was stopped. Let's continue on. On December 5th, 2018, I received the autopsy report for Williams. Oh, Lord. But wait, there's more. It stated the wound path on the neck of Williams was from front, was from back to front, left to right, and upward. This was in contradiction to what was stated that a drive-by occurred on the right side of the vehicle while in motion. Williams also has a gunshot wound to his right shoulder and his chest. It should be noted None of the flight paths from the exterior of the vehicle matched the wound path on the rear of Williams' head. It was obvious the projectile entered from the left rear side of the vehicle. And gentlemen, who was sitting in the left rear side of the vehicle from the surveillance footage from the music studio? YW Millie. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! And they have it on footage. On December 14th, Dr. R. McDougall... Assistant Medical Examiner Broward County examined the gray Jeep that was occupied by all parties involved at the time of the homicide. The vehicle was maintained in a secure location since the incident. So they had another medical examiner come in and look at it as well. Then, January 11th, 2019, I received confirmation from the medical examiner's office that the entry wound on the left side of Thomas's face was an intermediate wound. Remember, guys, Thomas was the guy that was sitting right next to Melly, the light-skinned guy sitting right next to Melly. So Melly's back left passenger seat and... Uh, Thomas is sitting right next to him. This is very important right now. So they said there was an entry wound on the left side of Thomas's face was an immediate, was an intermediate wound. It should be noted. There was a three centimeter stippling pattern around the entry wound. This was also in contradiction to what Henry said to this affiant at the hospital when he attempted to mislead this affiant to believe, see, I wouldn't put all this shit in here. I would have just said it was contrary to what he said. You know, he's making a lot of conclusions, affidavit. I get it. Like they're lying to you, bro. But you know, this is the difference between the state and the feds. You just put the facts there. You keep your conclusions out of it. But he's right. He ain't lying. This evidence shows the initial lethal shot occurred from inside the vehicle and was initiated from the left rear passenger side, the same position occupied by Melly, a.k.a. Demons. An intermediate wound, by definition, would indicate 
a distance of three inches to three feet between the victim and weapons, wet weapon. However, due to a three centimeter stippling pattern, the weapon was in close proximity to Thomas's head. In English, that means around the wound when he was shot on the side of his face, there was a burn mark that it can only be put there from getting shot at what? Close range, guys. There's no way a drive-by shooting is going to create stippling on the victim's wound. The gunshot wounds to the back of Thomas also indicates these wounds were inflicted after he was shot in the head as the projectiles entered Thomas's back when he was leaning to the left. So he gets shot, starts to slump, and they shoot him again. All right? Evidence from the autopsy revealed that both victims' wound patterns to their heads were from left to right. Evidence from the autopsy revealed that both victims' wound patterns to their heads were from left to right. <laughs> well, am I speaking English here or something? Yeah, not right to left. Left to right. Melly was sitting in the left, guys, which they have evidence of from the cell phones and also from the video surveillance. <sighs> this directly contradicts statements made by Henry. All right. All right. Lord. The single, the single shell casing that recovered from inside the vehicle on 10-26-18 by CSI was sent to the uh, Broward Sheriff's Office lab for comparison analysis. Real, real quick, let me tell you guys something. So smaller police departments, like Miramar Police Department, etc., typically they don't have the, the resources like a canine unit or a, uh, a ballistic lab or you know, a drug lab or anything like that. So what they'll do is they'll send their, um, they'll send their stuff that they want analyzed to a bigger department's a lab for analysis okay you got the fbi you got the state so in this case because uh, miramar is located in broward county county there's broward county sheriff's office and then miramar is a police department in broward county right it's a smaller police department so they submit all their evidence to them for processing okay just so y'all know because y'all probably wondering like what the hell is bso broward county sheriff's office lab the shell casing was compared to the shell casings that was recovered from the crime scene on pembroke road on 11 21 2018 the same scene was initially hidden from investigators. <laughs> so, guys, hold on. Let me break this down for you. Well, let me read the paragraph, and then I'll break it down. The same scene was initially hidden from investigators. BSO lab concluded the single casing was a match to the casings recovered outside the vehicle. This also contradicts statements made by this affiant to the, of this being a drive-by shooting. This evidence also shows that Thomas and Williams were shot inside the vehicle and the surviving occupants, Henry and Demons, the two defendants, exited the vehicle and then intentionally shot into the vehicle from the exterior. So, um, what was I going to say here? Uh, there was something here that was very important. Okay, so guys, remember how I told you they went to the real crime scene with the dog and they found those eight shell casings? Guess what? Those shell casings matched the shell casing that was in the vehicle right where Melly was sitting. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! So they can conclude the same gun was used at, uh, in, the, in, the, in the two locations. Whew. Okay. But wait, there's more. Okay. That was easy. They do a search warrant on Melly's Snapchat account. <laughs> the warrant was reviewed and later approved by Judge Orlando. The direct messaging of the Snapchat account of Demons revealed he was communicating with his girlfriend, Mariah Hamilton, 14 days after the homicide. So two weeks after the homicide. And he goes, and I quote, 
This nigga saved my life. He coming everywhere with me because if them crackers come grab him, it's my fault. You forgot. I keep Bortland with cuz at the end of the day, he did one of a realest shit in my life. Oh, God. Let's read that one more time. This nigga saved my life. He coming everywhere with me because if them crackers come grab him, it's my fault. You forgot. I keep Bortland with cuz at the end of the day, he did one of the realest shit, one of a realest shit in my life. These are interesting statements as they are referring to Demon's loyalty and association with Henry. They also suggest that Henry was loyal to him because he is the one who drove the bodies to the hospital and dealt with law enforcement. These statements also support the belief by law enforcement that Demons is the shooter and the evidence leads back to him and any further cooperation by Henry would be damaging to Demons. This warrant also reveals there was no communication between Wither, between Demons and Withers on 1026 as previously stated by law enforcement by Withers. Oh, Lord! So, guys, let's get this straight, okay? So, Henry goes to the hospital by himself with the two bodies. They die. He tells the police, hey, we got shot over here. Takes the police to said location. No evidence is found. Police get skeptical. Interview witness, Withers, a.k.a. Red Mitsubishi guy. Hey, bro, where's Melly? Oh, he was with me in my car. Really? Police go to the music studio, see that Melly actually got in the Jeep with Henry, which Henry never told the police that Melly got in the vehicle with him. Then the police go back to Withers. Hey, Red Mitsubishi guy, we actually know that Melly was in the Jeep. Why'd you lie? Oh, well, I didn't lie. We stopped on I-75 and he got in my car and we spoke over Snapchat. So the police pull the cell phone stuff and show that Withers drove his Red Mitsubishi all the way fucking home, never stopped on I-75. And then to put the nail in the coffin, they go through Melly's Snapchat conversations and see that he never had communication with Withers. Oh my shit. This is not good. This is not good, bro. Not good at all. All right. (laughs) And I just want to make this very clear with y'all. I'm a big YNW Melly fan. I love his music, bro. Actually, I was I, I was I listen to it all the time. But this was bad. Reading this this stuff made me say, yo. And and we'll talk about like uh what I think he should do uh at the end here. But guys, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At this point, they could potentially go after Withers for for lying. You know what I'm saying? For false statements or um you know, uh tampering with evidence whatever it is. They could potentially go after Withers cuz Withers has has provided He's li- he's lied to the point where it would miss purp- he purposely misdirected the investigation by lying and omitting facts. Okay? And they have him dead to rights. They even pulled the Snapchat conversation and showed that he never even talked to this dude as he stated when he said, "Oh, I pulled over an I-75." So they got the conversation showing Withers lied and they got the phone information showing that Withers drove the whole time in his Mitsubishi and never stopped. And the video footage showing that Melly never got in his car as he stated originally. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, man, this one is bad, too. On December 4, 2018, Demons, in an effort to promote his music career, released a documentary on YouTube. Throughout the 21-minute documentary, Demons uh, glorified his use and possession of firearms. Demons, this is Melly. Demons said he's been carrying a gun since he was in fourth grade. 
This is also consistent with the statements obtained during this investigation regarding demons always in possession of a firearm. At the end of the documentary, the final screen displays these words. Four days after the completion of this film, YNW Melly and his friends were targets of a drive-by shooting in Miami, Florida. This is significant as it also places demons at the scene of the crime in the vehicle with Henry Thomas and Williams. Fatality. Ah. Let me show y'all this real quick. Man, this is not good. This is not good. This is the video that they're talking about, guys. I'm going to pull it up for y'all right now. Uh, Where is it? Oh, here we go. This is it. This is the documentary in question. YNW Melly, official documentary, released um, December. Where the hell is the date? It doesn't show up for some weird reason. But it was released on December 4th, right? Let me subscribe. Don't forget to like the video, by the way. So, yeah, guys. So this is at the 2024 mark. He puts four days after the completion of this film, YNW Melly and his friends were the targets of a drive-by shooting in Miami, Florida. YNW Juvie and YNW Sack Chaser were killed. And I don't want to play the video because I don't know if it's copyright. But here are here he is with his friends. Let me uh, play it. Uh, I'm not going to play it. I'm just going to show you guys his two buddies that he was with. Because there's like a still shot of them all standing together. Mm. Oh. Okay. I am not going to play this bad boy. I'm just going to. There we go. So here he is with his two friends. Okay. So that there's there's Chuvi right there and there's Sack Chaser. And if you guys notice, he has a red bandana on his shirt or his um his camouflage thingy. Um he is a uh a blood gang member, which is another reason why they're going after him so hard. All right? But Sack Chaser's here, Chuvi's here. Those are the two victims. All right? So, and this is a documentary the police were talking about. Now, the reason why this is so important, guys, is because, remember, at this point, everyone is doing everything in their power to lie and say Melly was not at the scene. Okay? So this documentary didn't help. All right? Let's keep reading. All right. All right. So here we go. They summarize it. In summary, the following information supports the findings of probable cause included, but not limited to false statements made by Henry at the hospital, false statements made by witnesses involved, uh, others to intentionally mislead this investigation, a.k.a. the guy Withers I told you all about, Red Mitsubishi guy, demons fleeing the area, not cooperating or refusing to give a statement. Nah, eh, you can't even really use that against them, but I get it. It's probable cause. And manager of demons, Jameson Francois, intentionally misleading this mis- mis- investigator, giving false statements stating he doesn't know where his client is. Presently located, it was later discovered that Franco was in communication with demons and even drove him out of the area after the shooting. Okay. So remember how uh, at 432, guys, um, uh, Bortland took the bodies. He drove away and took the bodies to the hospital. Melly got out the car right before, and his manager picked him up from, the, from that area, where the, right near where the killing happened. It was later determined by cell phone records that Demon and Williams were in this location determined to be the actual crime scene, which is isolated from individuals passing by and potential witnesses to murder. Cell phone evidence indicated that Demons was dropped off prior to Henry arriving arriving at the hospital. The autopsy report shows the wound path for both victims' head wounds was from left to right direction. Shell casing inside the vehicle matched the casing on the outside of the vehicle. Evidence shows Williams and Thomas, the victims, were shot inside the vehicle and the rounds came from the left rear passenger side of the vehicle, subsequently occupied by Melly, as they proved with um, with the video surveillance footage. The crime scene was intentionally staged to appear the vehicle 
was involved in a drive-by shooting. Video evidence shows Henry changed his clothes, but the original shirt worn by Henry had a bloodstained pattern in it. In an interview with the mother and girlfriend of demons, this is also important, guys, both stated that after the shooting, demons called them via FaceTime and stated he was the victim of a drive-by shooting and his two friends were killed, thus placing him at the scene of the, at the time of the incident. The mother of demons' girlfriend also stated when she witnessed the FaceTime call, it appeared demons was outside and hiding, waiting to be picked up. Oh, Lord. This also consisted with the cell phone records of demons. It should be noted that demons was in possession of his phone before the incident, during the incident, and after the incident. This was also corroborated by cell phone records obtained in this case. Oh. But wait, guys. There's more. So let me show you guys this right here. Um, so, so you guys can get a diagram of how this happened. Okay. So this is the vehicle, right? This is the Jeep. As you guys can see, you got the the driver, YNW Bortland, a.k.a. Henry, uh, Cortland Henry. You got Melly in the back left seat, and then you got the fr right front passenger, YNW uh, Sack Chaser, a.k.a. Uh, Anthony Williams, and then you got the other, back, uh, the other victim, Christopher Thomas, in the back right seat, okay? This is how they were sitting in the vehicle. Now, also, guys, they got new evidence, all right? Let's see here. I took a lot of notes on this, man. And guys, while, we, while I pull this up, guys, like the video, man. I hope you guys are enjoying this bad boy because this was crazy to go through. Um, oh, and by the way, so y'all are wondering. Uh, well, I'll talk about the trial in a second here. Yeah, I wrote this down. Uh, so, guys, so they ended up getting Melly's phone, the police, okay? And what they found on the, on the phone right, was uh, some pretty damning evidence, okay? Um, and what they found was Melly basically kind of gave a dry confession, all right? And he says, and I'm trying to get the quote for y'all. Um, hold on. I have it here somewhere. I wrote it down. Uh, Okay, here we go. So they found video on Melly's phone, okay, a month after the shooting, all right? Because they were able to get the phone. It took them a while, but they got the phone from his manager, Frank Coy, Melly's manager, right? And he goes, there's no regrets for the shit that I did for that nigga to die. And then he go, he does a gun motion like this to his head. And he throws up a blood gang sign. Say that again for y'all. A, mo a month after the murder. Makes a video. Goes, there's no regrets for the shit that I did for that nigga to die while making a gun motion to his head with a blood gang sign. And ends the video. Woo! Man! Guys. <laughs> this is not, this is, uh, Yeah. Let me see here if there's anything else I want I had to show you guys. Let's see here. Um, da -da 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 -da. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up for y'all right now. Okay. So here it is from the actual affidavit. I'll just share the screen with y'all. 
Let me hit stop screen share. All right, show this to y'all right now. Because this is crazy too, man. Puts his head in the shape of a gun, like pulling the trigger, throws up a blood sign, and then says both of them never say when. So the interesting part of this video is it was one month to the day after the shootings occurred on October 26. This video was on Mr. Demon's cell phone, which was brought to my office by Jameson Francois, and that's how we had that. And that was his, that's his manager. Man. Now, also, so this is what, what's going on here. Let me show you guys how serious this stuff is that they got going on. So here we go. In the circuit court of the 17th Judicial District in and for Broward County, Florida, State of Florida versus Jamel Demons, a.k.a. YNW Melly, states notice of intent to seek death penalty. The State of Florida, by and through an undersigned assistant state attorney, files its notice to of intent to seek the death penalty filed pursuant to Florida rules of criminal procedure, right? And they want to get uh, the death penalty against Jamel Demons and hereby gives written notice of same in compliance with Florida statute, okay? And remember, guys, the reason why is because they're trying to get him on premeditated murder, okay? Murder one, which is the highest degree, all right? Because they're basically alleging that he planned to do this, okay? So let's open this up. So y'all see. So guys, do me a quick favor real fast. Number one, like the video, okay? Because I sacrificed a boat with a bunch of hoes for y'all to put this together, okay? How many likes we got right now? Let me refresh this bad boy. Let's see here. We got 2,400 of y'all in here. You guys could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. So I'm happy that you guys are here. The sacrifice flopped. You <laughs> Okay, big C views. Thanks. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. So the trial. So just so y'all know, Melly has pled not guilty. Him and his co-defendant, Bortland, have both pled not guilty. All right? Bortland got out on uh, got out on bond, but I think he got put back in because he violated. I think he went to like a strip club when he wasn't supposed to. I think he went to King of Diamonds or something like that, and they arrested him again. Right? So the trial is set for March 7th, 2022. If Melly goes to trial and actually goes through with this, I predict he's going to lose. You guys just saw the evidence. Right? It's obviously, it's a very strong, it's a very circumstantial case, but y'all can see that the circumstances pretty much paint a picture that there's no other, th there's nothing else that could have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like that was that the 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 way the the um the uh the state is gonna try to to build the show the case is they're gonna they're gonna recreate every event in trial to show that there was no other potential um situation that could have happened, and then the biggest thing they're gonna do is they're gonna attack. Henry's character for lying and they're going to attack the witnesses, okay? To show they purposely misled the investigation because this is what really happened. Okay? So um guys, I, I mean, you know, I mean, hell. You know what? There's 2500 y'all in here right now. You guys just saw the case. Okay? Let's be objective. If you are on the jury, cuz remember, you're judged by a, a a peer of um 12 of your peers. Right? That's what a jury trial is. You're judged by 12 of your peers. If you guys think he's guilty, if you were sitting on the jury, give me a one. If you guys think he's innocent, give me a two. One for guilty, two for innocent. One for guilty, two for innocent. Y'all just saw the case. I broke it down for y'all. Give, give me a one if you think he's guilty, two if you think he's innocent. Let's see. 
overwhelming ones. Overwhelming ones. So, yeah, guys. I see a couple of twos, but it's almost overwhelming ones. So what do you guys think the jury's going to think? Y'all are, y'all, are, y'all are citizens listening to this case right now. I just gave y'all all the facts. So what is a reasonable person going to say? They're going to say guilty, bro. They're going to say guilty. So he's, he's not beating this. He, I, there's no way. There's no way. The case, and here's the other thing too. Just so y'all know, the case, the, I mean, uh, the, the, the state is right now trying to get his DNA and on top of that, to show that he was on the scene, even though it's pretty much established that he was on the scene now at this point with the phones and everything, but they want to put a, they really want to solidify. They're trying to get his DNA and they're also trying to take his measurements. And the reason why they want to take his body measurements is they want to recreate. They're going to bring ballistics experts and everything, and they're going to recreate the inter- entire murder uh, at trial. Okay? That's their intent. That's what the state's going to do. They're going to, they're going to show his story. Right, how it it's not probable, and then they're gonna recreate everything and show this is what really happened. That's what the state intends to do. So, and that's set for um the seventh. So let's look at the pros and cons of both sides. So on the state, they have a very strong case, guys. They got ballistics, they got phone information that is indisputable, okay, that puts them at the locations. Okay, they got um uh they got uh let's see here. They got um Lie, um, conflicting testimony, right? They got, um, they got uh, autopsy reports that show that there was no way that they could have gotten shot by the right side, as as there as um Henry was saying. Uh, dude, it, yeah, you know the the autopsy, the ballistics information, the phone information, the discrepancy in stories, the lying. They have a very very strong circumstantial case, very strong. And here's the other thing too, okay. I need y'all to understand that you can you can convict someone on circumstantial stuff and they have phone information, the Snapchat conversations. They have the videos right with ambiguous uh, uh, confessions like they have a lot of information, guys. All right. And this is the state. The state did a really good job here. All right. Now, what are the what are the um, the cons? Well, they don't have the murder weapon. Right. The state does not have the murder weapon and the state also does not have um, witnesses. Okay, so those are two weak things. They don't have the murder weapon and they don't have the witnesses. And they don't really have a, a strong motive. Okay, so there's some rumors. There's two main rumors of the motive here. Um, but I want to make it clear. You don't need a motive to prove a murder case. Okay, you don't need it at all. A lot of the times it's nice to have it because with premeditated murder, you're, you're trying to establish that he, he intended to do this for some kind of reason. But the two, uh, the two reasons the state is going to say is... One is they're going to say it's financial because uh, they're all a part of YNW and killing them would have definitely allowed Melly to make more money from his music because he would have less people to split it up with. And then the second thing they're going to say is that um, YNW uh, Shuvi, or no, sorry, Sack Chaser, the darker skinned individual, had some kind of argument with Melly's mom. Okay? Like there was some kind of dispute and he had, apparently had said some disrespectful things or whatever and Melly's mom got on video and said, my son has big guns, blah, blah, blah. Because there was some kind of disagreement, so it could have been, um, it could have been that, you know what I'm saying? It could have been the the financial thing or that, but the motive isn't really clear cut yet. We're gonna see a trial, um, so yeah, let's see here. Uh, and also, so this is what I think. The, the, the so we know what the uh, uh what the what the um the state's gonna do. They're gonna recreate the event. What the defense is gonna do is they're probably gonna do this. They're going to attack the, the detectives, right? They're going to attack. So, so anytime you have a trial, guys, um, what the defense likes to do all the time is they attack the investigators. So let's say you got an investigator that was, you know, 
caught lying one time, aka you call it giglio, which is like you know when, when someone isn't um when a when a sworn officer isn't credible or he's lied before, which which was basically the worst. Once you get found to have lied or anything like that or lack of candor or whatever, th- that's immediately going to disqualify you as as a witness. So the the, the defense is definitely going to attack the detectives. Right. Character. So any type of internal investigations they might have had or whatever, they're going to bring all that shit up because the the uh, prosecution has to disclose every single witness and give their background so the defense can properly cross examine them. OK. In trial. Right. And then what they're also going to do um, is they're going to attack. Probably they're going to try to attack the phone evidence and they're going to probably try to say, like, you know, I don't know how they're going to do this, but they're going to potentially try to say, oh, Melly wasn't in possession of his phone. And he wasn't there. He left his phone in the car or something like that. You know? Which, next time, if you guys want to commit a murder, put your, do not bring your phone with you. All right? Put that shit on a... Leave that shit at home or put it, like, uh, uh, you know, on a train or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Tape it to... to you know, shout out to my guy Bruce Rivers. He talked about this on No Jumper. It was hilarious. You know, tape it to, like, the bottom of the seat and just, like, let let the train go. So you, 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 so you can say, hey, I was on this train at the time. You know, you got an alibi. Um, <laughs> what else here? Um, and then, and then the other thing too is, uh, they don't have, they don't have Bortland testifying. So that's kind of a strong, that's a strong point for the defense. They don't have someone that's going to directly contradict Melly. Cause it, it looks like to me that Bortland's going to stay solid, but man, the, the stakes are crazy. Like I, I, I would be surprised if he didn't end up testifying. Cause remember guys, he didn't actually pull the trigger. He didn't actually shoot anything. You know, the, the, the they did the gunshot test and they couldn't find any residue on his hands. Right. And then on top of that, they had another witness come forward and say that he was with them, uh, Fredo Bang and a couple of the other guys. They actually went and like, uh, not not Fredo Bang, um, sorry, like a couple of their friends. They went and got the murder weapons and disposed of them. The manager disposed of the of the murder weapons. My bad, yeah. For, uh, the man, uh, Melly's manager disposed of the murder weapons. And there's a witness saying that. So, man, so I'd be surprised if Bortland didn't flip because he's gonna do. He's gonna. He's gonna potentially get uh, life in prison or the mur- or, or uh, the death penalty. Uh, let's see here. What else here? So yeah, those are those are the pros and cons of each side. And then just so y'all know, they're gonna push really hard on Melly because he's an alleged gang member, which is a big reason why they're also uh, pushing on here. So okay, let's open it up for questions. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that breakdown of the case. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, guys, that that is why I am very concerned. Um, I think his best bet is he's going to have to just plead guilty, or uh, and like maybe try to plead insanity or something like that, because yeah, he he is documented as having, um, you know, he's said that he's had six personalities, whatever. But it's not easy to claim insanity, bro. Uh, let's see here. No question, this done. Yeah, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, any. I'm gonna. I'm looking through the chat, guys, to see if anyone had any questions. Goes Bortland been out a minute. Pretty sure he told. It's poten- It's pot- potentially. Uh. Yeah, it took them a while to 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 um to go to trial on this. I think it's because they're doing a lot of depositions. Which a deposition, guys, basically when you you bring the 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 witness in, you swear them in, and then they they give their testimony and it's recorded, right? And you can use that in, in trial. But that's not that's not common. It's very uncommon to do that. So I thought that was kind of weird. Question, if I catch a third gun charge possession and make bond, do I have time to get my gun license for the, the indictment to get it thrown out? Um, no, because if you're um, if you're under uh, 
most states will not let you purchase a firearm if you've been indicted by a grand jury for a felony. So, yeah, you, you um, because when, when you buy a gun, what happens is the the, the FFL, the, whoever you're buying the gun from, they're going to run a criminal background check on you. And when they run a criminal background check on you, they're going to see that you had been arrested for a felony. And if you're, if you're formally charged by a grand jury, I'm almost certain that most states will not let you buy a gun. And if you're a convicted felon, they definitely won't let you buy a gun. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you shouldn't even be in a gun store if you're a conv uh, convicted felon. That will get you in trouble big time. And do not go to the shooting range. Guys, if you have a felony conviction, do not go to the shooting range. I've seen it many times where uh, a dude that's been convicted of a felony goes to the shooting range thinking, oh, it's all good. Like, I'm just shooting and having fun. No, bro. They can still get you for felony possession of a firearm federally. Okay? Don't do it. All right? Because sometimes they don't go ahead and do a background check on you when you go shoot. <clears throat> Let's see here. Any other questions? Yeah, I see y'all laughing. Okay, let me see here. Let's go through. Uh, what's the defense going to be? Bro, the the only thing the defense can really say is um, they're going to have to try to disprove that that Melly was there. And they're going to have to uh, try to articulate that someone else shot um, shot them. No murder weapon, no evidence. If he has a good-ass lawyer, this is going to be a tough one for the prosecutor. No, bro. No, that that's why that's why I'm, even though they don't have a murder weapon and they don't have video evidence, they have the, the the circumstantial evidence they have is extremely strong because together it paints a story that there was no other logical um that there was no other logical situation that could have happened. Especially and the thing that makes this worse guys is that all the witnesses grossly lied. You understand? So that's going to be shown that's going to be used as well. That that even though that they don't have the murder weapon and no ev video evidence the witnesses did a terrible job of trying to cover it up. So that's going to make the circumstantial evidence even stronger because it 1,000% contradicts their story. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why this case is so strong is because it, um, it literally just smacks the shit out of their stories. Wither, Bortland, etc. And Melly, from what I understand, never gave a statement. He didn't say shit to the cops. So, you know... Uh, Yeah, man, I got y'all, man. Do killery? <laughs> y'all are hilarious. What about blood splatter analysis? Not also, will that make the case stronger? No. Um, yeah, the ballistic evidence is what's going to make the case very strong as well. Because the autopsies coupled with the, with the ballistic evidence shows that they could not have been shot on the side of the vehicle that Henry claimed with a drive-by shooting. The, the, the bullets came from the left side of the vehicle. And remember, the detectives saw um, Melly with a satchel weighed down on the video, on the on the surveillance footage. And Melly, to his own admission, in his documentary and in his music, says all the time, I'm always armed. You know, and he has an infatuation with firearms. So that's all going to be used against him. All that's going to be used against him. This is what the, the, the prosecution is going to do. They're going to paint Melly as a violent gang member that killed his friends for monetary reasons to uh, to not have to split as much money in YNW, YNW. and then they're also going to say that uh, he is erratic and killed his friends because one of them disrespected his mom. That's how they're going to try to paint Melly as 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 a, as a lunatic, right? Crazy enough to understand like obviously what he's doing is wrong, but not crazy to the point where that he can claim insanity and get a defense. Okay, so that's what they're going to say, and they're going to also say that he that the fact the reason why they're going after them for premeditated murder is because. They they shot the, the car up, right? They shot the car in a secluded area, shot the car up to try to illustrate a story that they that they um got hit with a drive-by. 
which is going to make them say, which basically is like, yo, these guys took overt acts, right, to try to dissuade us from knowing the truth. So they planned this shit. It was premeditated. So that's what it is. Um, so where does reasonable doubt play in? I mean, reasonable doubt, bro, is like basically if the defense can can stir up and show that Melly wasn't at the scene and that, you know, someone else was potentially the shooter. But that's going to be tough, bro. That's, that, that's going to be tough because they have Melly on footage in the vehicle and they have cell phone, and they have uh, cell site data showing that he was there until three minutes before Bortland went to the hospital. And on top of that, his own family said that they got a FaceTime call from him and it looked like he was outside. And the investigators are smart. They probably didn't tell them what they had. They just said, hey, on the day of the shooting, uh, did Melly contact you? And they probably answered the question thinking like, oh, yeah, he did. He was in an area where it was wooded or whatever. Because remember, the family doesn't think that he shot his friends. The family's going to just say what, what, what happened. So they're going to say, oh, yeah, he was in the woods. He seemed really scared. Um, you know, he was he's saying, come pick me up, blah, 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 whatever. Because they don't know the truth. They're going to go off what Melly says. Think about it. Your son comes and tells you, oh, I got hit with a drive-by shooting. You ain't going to be like, nah, bro, you killed your friends. They're going to believe him. So they're going to think that he really was out in the woods, like, like scared. But that was, that was bad because that's what the detectives wanted. They wanted that, the, the family to tell him, oh, no, he was in this area. Which, what? It corresponds with the cell phone data that they have. Um, all right, let's see here. They also don't have a witness. Remember, guys, witnesses aren't, aren't necessary. I'm telling y'all, the, 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 the circumstantial evidence is damning. Like, at the, at the, what I see, foresee happening is, um, I wouldn't take this to trial. If I was Melly, I would not take this to trial. If he takes this to trial, he's going to get the death penalty. Remember, guys, he's got to get found guilty by, uh, by, his, by his own peers. And I just asked y'all, what do you guys think? And overwhelmingly, the chat was like, this dude guilty. Uh, I think Murder on My Mind came out before the murder. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I'm just going through here, making sure you see what questions you guys have. Myron, were they able to check them for gun residue on his persons? Yeah, they checked. They checked Henry only. They didn't check Melly, because Melly obviously, like, he got out the car and like, if 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 they had gotten Melly right. After that's why Melly didn't go to the hospital, guys. Melly's not stupid. He didn't go to the hospital with Henry because he was the shooter. You know what I'm saying? So um, they would have they would have found the DNA on his on his uh on him the sh the blood splatter and they would have been and they would have uh they would have done gun residue on his hands and they would have found it. That's why that's why he didn't go to the hospital. Um, Since Myron, since iMessage is different than SMS text message and does not get sent to your cell phone provider, do you think that could be discoverable even after being deleted? Yes, it can, bro. Remember, guys, these these companies, right? So what happens is, if I want to get a conversation, let's say you had a a, a conversation on Instagram, uh, and I know it, I could send a preservation letter to Instagram. Hey, I need y'all to preserve communica communication on this day at this time between these two accounts. They'll preserve it, and then I'll go ahead and get a search warrant for that conversation. Or a subpoena, depending on how invasive I'm going to be. But I always say get a search warrant. So, so yeah. And they were able to do that with Snapchat, which gave damning evidence. You know, it proved Withers was lying, aka Red Mitsubishi guy, and it proved that they never like actually stopped on I-75, and it showed the conversation he had with his girl, which also had a very strange, um, you know, take on it. 
talking about how you know Cortland is loyal to him. He's his man. He did the realest shit for him, etc. All of this together paints a picture, guys. Uh, King Von, what case do you want me to break down for King Von? Ki the Ki thing. Uh, let's see here. Melly had instant regret. He spilled beans on himself. Yeah, the, yeah. The fact people lied to protect them. Yeah, they're gonna use that as well. That's definitely gonna come in. You know. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. This is a uh, connoisseur of cars and big tig, tig old biddies. Yeah, that is uh, one of the uh, that is one of the potential motives. Oh, Malcolm Stucky for Vaughn. Yeah, that one is pretty. Everyone knows that one. But yeah, I, I could potentially do that one. Um. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Tory Lanes. I could potentially do that one. Myron does airplane mode. Uh, let's see. Oh, Gizel yo, Gizlane Maxwell, bro. I called it on Timcast. I was like, bro, guys, she's gonna get found guilty. Like it's it's a wrap for her. And and they were like, no, bro, she's not gonna get found guilty. And I was like, bro, the feds do not lose. And it's the Southern District of New York, a sex trafficking case, bro. Oh shit! Literally, it's just. It's it's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Uh, Queso for Young and Ace. Okay, yeah, we could do that one too. Um, yeah, he they got him dead to rights. He he's he's doing life in prison. That dude, he for killing uh for killing Bibby, A.K. Fulio's brother. Yeah, that was that was that was not smart. Um, but yeah, I could I could do the the Epstein and Maxwell case for y'all. You know, I don't have to just do hip hop cases. I could definitely do um that. And honestly, to be to be honest with you guys, federal cases are easier for me. Um, because I know how the federal system works. I mean, I'm obviously very aware of the state system too, but the state is 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 uh different, you know, with with a lot of things. But but this was a very strong state case. Holy crap! Like I, I you know, I could see. Okay, y'all want Pushaisty? I could do Pushaisty as well. Cause um the Pushaisty one, I didn't get to break down everything on that one when I did academics. We kind of like you know surmised it quickly. So uh, would passing a lie detector test help his case? Not really. Lie detectors aren't admitted in court. Um, let's see here. Casanova 2S. Oh man. Guys, that Casanova one is not good, bro. That one is not good. Um, but I could do that one too. K Flock. K Flock, I'm gonna do next week, guys. I'm just waiting on one more piece of information. He has a court hearing. I want to make sure I, I get that information. And then I'm also waiting on uh on some I'm trying to get some reports. Uh O Block, I could definitely do that one. They're done too. That one is bad. Uh, Myron, does airplane mode work to confuse a search warrant? No, it does not, gentlemen. No, it does not. Because all the data is still going to be on the device. And and they can and they can pull deleted information from your from your phone because it leaves metadata on there. Uh Melly's manager, any charges? No, but I'm but I would not be surprised if they try to go after him. Because he, he definitely um he 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 there there is a case for uh uh for um impeding an investigation. You know, between him lying to the police about where Melly was, being reluctant to give the phone over, all that shit. Yes, they can definitely still pull Snapchat messages after you delete those guys. Um, uh, let's see here. Why the fuck can't I send a super chat? Guys, I just got monetized, so the super chat should be coming in. Um, hopefully, I don't know, sometime this week I should be able to uh, do it. <clears throat> Shout out to Myron. It's dope how you built your old job, but still... Um, uh, using your expertise for the people. I got y'all, man. I got y'all. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that, that's why I wanted to read the affidavit with you guys alongside and like let you guys like kind of see where the detectives' mindsets were at when they did each piece of investigation. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people read this stuff, but they don't really know the mindset of the, the investigator. And I, as I was reading it, I was like, okay, this detective was probably pissed off <laughs> that they kept lying to him. He was like, oh, really? Okay, let me, let me do a search warrant with T-Mobile. Oh, really? Let me search the car twice. <laughs> he did two search warrants for the same goddamn car, and he put ballistic experts in there, bro. Yo, <laughs> they're not going to do that unless unless they got like a serious, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a high-profile case, guys. It's a high-profile case. They're a small police department. So they got time today. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Do a little 10 for Quando Rondo. Nah, bro. He, he ain't going to, bro, bro. He's, he's going to, they're not going to get him for murder on that one. That's, that's a legit self-defense case. <clears throat> that's a legit, uh, self-defense case. They're, they're, I, I, I seriously doubt Lil Tim's going to do any time for that one. Um, and guys, we got, uh, 2,500 y'all watching. Can y'all get me to 2000 likes, please get the likes up, bro. Because preparing this thing was tough. Took a lot of time, you know. I, I there was this one chick on the boat, bro, that kept bothering me, bro, and I just kept telling, like, I told her, "Yo, leave me alone." It was annoying as hell. So, like the video for that. I'm a paralegal. Tell me about the thing. I'm like, bro, just leave me alone. You, no one care. You're a paralegal. Get the fuck out of here. Um, let's see here. What makes Melly's case unbeatable compared to OJ's case, which was obvious he did it? Um, well, you guys got to remember the reason why the OJ case, why OJ won, was because. El the OJ case, let me just sum this up for y'all real quick. Hold on. <laughs> quick little tangent on the OJ case. The reason why OJ beat that case wasn't necessarily because um, the evidence was weak. The evidence was damning. The reason why OJ beat that case was because one of the main detectives on the case had character issues. And they were able to prove that uh, that he lied and he wasn't, wasn't a credible witness. So what the defense did was they attacked the evidence, right? And they attacked the officer's character. And they were able to show that they weren't credible. And that's how they're able to beat the case. And then the glove also helped, uh, helped uh, significantly. So, um, so that's why. But remember, bro, they didn't have cell site information back then. This is 1995, guys. Okay? If they had the cell phone stuff they have now, back then OJ would be in prison, my friend. He would have probably been executed by now. <laughs> well, does California have ex ex I don't I don't know if California has a death penalty still. I think they still do. Or at least back then they did. Guys, they have cell phone data putting Melly at the scene. Okay? If they had that for OJ, it would have been a wrap. <laughs> uh, not only do they have the cell phone info, Melly himself admitted in his video, yeah, we got shot at. Like, man, that is definitely like a, definitely a big L, man. That's a man. <laughs> So that's why, so yeah, because you asked about the OJ case. That's why OJ beat it, bro. They didn't have the technology that they have now, the sophisticated technology to do t cell phone triangulation to put you at a location. Let me tell y'all something, bro. When they do a cell phone warrant or whatever, it's we're talking only a couple hundred meters of certainty. Like, it is close. It is, like, almost down to the goddamn foot of how you are. They can pretty much pinpoint where you are, okay? So that's why OJ beat that case. The technology wasn't sophisticated enough to put him at the scene at the time. And the police officers were uh, had issues. So Johnny Cochran was able to discredit the police officers, attack the evidence from said discredited police officers, and they couldn't put OJ at the scene. Um, R. Kelly case, I could break that one down. R. Kelly's done, though. 
R. Kelly's done. That that's federal sex trafficking case. It's a wrap, guys. On that one, you know what I'm saying. Um, God respects my Martin. Thank you so much, man. OJ ain't do it. Come on, bro. <laughs> if that OJ case happened in today's day and age, OJ would be done, bro. You know what I'm saying with the cell phones. You like when it comes to the technology, guys. It's indisputable. You know what I'm saying? Like cell phones and everything else like that. Snapchat conversations, all that stuff. Like, bro, it's indisputable. It's 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 in stone. It's it's solid. There's no. It, it's that piece of evidence stands on its own. You know, it's extremely strong. Uh, what if there are multiple cell towers? The more cell towers, the better. The the, the more cell towers, the more they're able to accurately show where you are. So, more cell towers, the worse for you as far as like you trying to be trying to say where you're where you're um where you're at it pinpoints you even better and 100 meters a lot though that it doesn't matter it, it shows that he was in the general area guys that's the most important thing they can establish he was in the area and it was with very fair certainty right they were able to establish three minutes before he went to the hospital he got out the car that's insane let's see here uh Let's see here. Um, YFN Lucci, I could do that one. Omni and Hellcat, I could do that one too. That one's a federal case. Um, from me reading it, uh, the, yeah. here, here's the thing with the Omni case, and I'll give you guys a quick little thing. But So basically what they're going after him for is like um, intellectual property theft, right? Basically piracy. And it's not the piracy that's going to get him, guys. It's the money laundering that's going to hurt him the most. Okay? Because... What they're going to establish is, because remember, I ain't going to lie to y'all. I've investigated piracy myself, right? Piracy is like, no one no one gives a fuck about piracy, bro. Like, if you bring a piracy case to the prosecutors, nine out of ten times they're going to be like, I-, I don't want this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not sexy. The, the, the sentencing guidelines aren't high enough. Like, like it has to be egregious, like million dollars plus for them to take a piracy case, like, seriously. And you'd have to, like, like identify an organization. It's got to be a very sexy case for them to take a piracy case, right? So, the fact that the feds took a piracy case already had me like and then on top of that it was the FBI that did it oh, HSI the guys I used to work for they're the ones that that are the pri- premier agency when it comes to piracy not the FBI the FBI does piracy every now and then but like HSI does way more piracy than them right so the reason why they're going after him though for piracy is because they really want to go after him for what money laundering Okay, guys? So, money laundering occurs when you basically get money from an illicit activity, right, and move it around. And what they're going to do is the only reason they're using piracy is because it's technically illegal. So they're going to use piracy as their prerequisite crime to prove the money laundering. So all his money was ill-gained in the eyes of the government, and they want to take it. So they need to establish piracy, right? Because I know he was like doing something with fire sticks. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll read the case more and give you all more. But I know that overall is basically going after him for a piracy with fire sticks. He made a lot of money doing that. And they're going to go after him for the money laundering from the fire sticks because it's piracy. That's where the feds are going to try to get him. They don't give a fuck about the piracy. It's the money laundering they want so that they can seize his assets, his bank accounts, and everything else. Because he made a lot of money, guys. So that's why they're going to go after him. So if his defense attorney can protect him from the piracy charge... The money laundering ain't gonna stand. All right? That's what it is. They need to 
You need a, to prove money laundering, you need something called the SUA, Specified Unlawful Activity. Whether it's drug trafficking, piracy, um, fraud, whatever it is, they need, to, they need to establish a prerequisite crime to prove the money laundering. So his defense needs to be able to show that um, the piracy charge they're coming at him with is, is, uh, is not, in fact, illegal. So that's 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 gonna be what's gonna be important for the for the um omni case. Uh do you know that confession song video was actually Melly singing a Kevin a Kevin Gates song? It doesn't matter, bro. Because like I said before, remember guys, I said this at the top of the broadcast. Circumstantial evidence is weak by itself, but when you put it with other pieces of circumstantial evidence, it snowballs and becomes more and more powerful. And right now, the, 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 the prosecution, like I told y'all, they're getting Melly's DNA, right? They just sent a court order for Melly's DNA. And then they also uh, are getting his, um, his measurements, which I'm, I'm not mistaken. Last I checked, the judge approved them to get his measurements. So they're going to recreate the scene, put someone with his size and body weight in a vehicle, right? And they're going to impersonate it in the courtroom for the, judge, for, the, for the jury to see that there was no other way. That those two that those two victims could have died, other than the fact that they were shot point blank range in a vehicle from the inside, not the outside, compounding with the cell phone data and everything else. So they're gonna use it. Um, it's it's even though it's a weak confession on its own, it's very powerful and damning compared with all the other information. That's how the case the state is gonna do this. Circumstantial evidence is very powerful if used with other pieces of circumstantial evidence. Caught a case over fire sticks. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, yo, Myron, this shit is fire. Keep it up. I got y'all, man. I love y'all, man. Uh, X X case. Um, we could talk about that. I mean, that one is slam shut, bro. They they got him. he's done. The, the, they got his killers. Um, have you ever been in any crazy shootouts when you were working with HSI? No, but I did get very close a bunch of times, and I'll and I'll talk about that. I'll do some case breakdowns for you guys that I did. Um, I got a lot, man. I got a lot of cool case stories for y'all. But that will be for another episode. Uh, Myron, do a breakdown of TV shows like The Wire, Breaking Bad, etc. Yeah, for sure, I could do that. Um, I like Breaking Bad is one of my favorite shows, and so is Sons of Anarchy. Can a felon carry a gun in Texas? Asking for a friend. Okay, so Texas, um, Texas has some of the best gun laws, uh, the, the most lax gun laws in the country. And by the way, Tim, I love you, but you were wrong about needing a permit to buy a gun in Texas, bro. You don't. I went back and double checked because you were saying need a gun to buy, you need a permit to buy a gun in Texas. I was like, I don't think that's right. And he was like, no, no. He was very adamant about it. That's actually incorrect. You do not need a permit to buy a gun in Texas. Um, so check this out. <clears throat> Story time, real fast. So I was doing a big drug case back in uh, 2015, right? And one of one of my main one of my main targets, the guy that we were investigating, his his cousin, okay, was not necessarily involved in the truck in the drug trafficking organization, but he was aware of his cousin's criminal activity. So the state, right, had done a search warrant at his house for some something else, right? And they found guns at his house. I knew one of the state investigators, because he also worked with DEA, right, as a task force officer. I broke down what task force officers are for you guys on the last episode. Go f- feel free to check that out. And I put timestamps in it. So he calls me and says, hey, I know you're looking at this guy. We just found a gun in his house, and he's a felon. Okay? This is in Texas. So I'm like, all right, nice. So I call my buddy over at ATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, Explosives. They're the primary agency tasked with doing um, uh, firearms investigations. 
right? And we go out, we seize the gun, right? And we start to we start to build a case to go after him for felon in possession. Because this guy, if I'm not mistaken, had a felony conviction for DUI. He had caught like five DUIs, which in the state of Texas, your third DUI is a felony. He had like five of them. <laughs> Don't ask me. Anyway. So we bring the case to the prosecutor because we wanted to arrest this guy because, like I told you before, he was the cousin of a drug trafficker that we were looking at and we wanted to turn him into an informant. So we wanted to put charges on him so that he would cooperate. And I also break down the differences, guys, between cooperating witnesses, confidential informants, and sources of information on my other episode. So <clears throat> so I go to the prosecutor. I'm like, yo, we want to go after him. And the prosecutor's like, yeah, bro, we won't be able to charge him. And I was like, what? He's a felon. He's a possessor of a firearm. And the prosecutor tells me, listen, I know we can go after him federally. But the state of Texas, apparently, after five years of a felony conviction, you can have a gun in your house. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so according to the prosecutor, at least, because he didn't want to prosecute. I don't know if this was cap or whatever. I, he, he was He's a good prosecutor. He told me, after five years of your felony conviction and being off probation, in the state of Texas, you can still have a gun in your home for protection. So... There you go, man. Shout out to Texas. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, uh, so, to answer your question, can fel- felons carry a gun in Texas? Not carry it, but you can probably keep it in your house if you have, if you've had it for, um, if you've been, uh, if it's been five years past your, um, your thing. But don't quote me on that. Double check. Double check. But I wouldn't be surprised because Texas has very, okay, SWAT Rico saying seven years. Okay. Yeah. But I know that basically Texas has very lax gun laws and, you know, it is what it is. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's five or seven years. Um, has an informant ever disappeared? Yeah, of course, bro. Hey, Mar, what's it like working with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and uh, Canada Border Services Agency? AKCBSA. Yo, fantastic. I did a really good case with them right before I resigned. I'll tell you about the case. It's done now. We arrested the main guy, but I'll do a breakdown on that case that I did. Uh, with RCMP. I did a, I did a really big um, human smuggling case that like incorporated a lot of uh, international nexus with uh, Turks and Caicos Island Police, Royal Police Force, RCMP, and CBSA. It was a really good case. I'll break that down for y'all uh, on another episode. I'll do, I'll do like, I might do it where I do like one case a week and then like, where I, like, I'll break down one famous case for y'all and then I'll do one like uh, memory lane case story with like Myron or some shit like that. Maybe I'll do two streams where I do that for you guys. Let me know what you guys want. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, and I'll stay on for like another five, 10 minutes here, guys. Uh, is there any other... T- is, uh, states with that type of gun laws not to my knowledge remember guys i come from federal so i don't i'm not aware of all the state laws but i know texas that's uh texas has some very lax state laws because when i when i worked there um my what protects it from tech employees inspiring on our devices guys i i know like everyone wants to say oh the, the government is watching blah 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 bro real talk guys it takes a lot of probable cause to be able to like um to be able to like tap someone's phone or whatever i told you guys on the last episode it takes more to tap someone's phone than to actually arrest them you need way more probable cause to listen to someone's phone. Now, that's for a criminal case. When it comes to like, you know, national security, that's a whole other world. Okay? I want you guys to make, I want to make that very clear. The the criminal case world and then the classified national security world are two different things, guys. Two different things. All right? The stuff that comes from classified stuff is not discoverable. You know, and we ain't going to talk about classified stuff on this podcast on this uh channel. We're always going to talk criminal cuz I pur- I purposely stayed away from classified information. It's fucking useless. You know what I'm saying? Anyone that does criminal cases will tell you guys that classified information is absolutely useless for a criminal case. You can't use it. You can't use it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's trash. It's literally pointless. 
You're out here looking at reports and shit like that, and you're like, oh, this is great evidence. And they're like, wait, I can't use it. <laughs> what the hell? Like, nah, bro, shit trash. Um, let's see here. Myron, you ever smash a coworker? Nope. Am I police? No, I used to be. I I resigned. Uh, let's see here. JFK case, potentially. Any work with Dominican Republic police? I I never work with them directly, but um, I know a lot of people that have, especially for drug trafficking cases. Um, U.S. of killing Irons Irons commander? I never heard of that one. I mean, I could look that up, but that's not really a law enforcement thing, guys. That's gonna probably be more of like with the military and and intelligence, guys. I need you guys to understand that like law enforcement. And intelligence are two different worlds, okay? So, like, on the law enforcement side, you got, like, the FBI, DEA, ATF, us, HSI. You got us, right, that that operate in what I call the light, you know, because you have to, when you do a criminal case, everything is discoverable. It's public. Everything I shared with you guys is going to be public. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to, like, you know, organize it for y'all and put it in a presentable fashion so you guys know what's going on. But everything I share with you guys is public. The other side is the intelligence side. That's where you deal with the classified stuff. Intelligence agencies are not law enforcement agencies. They don't have arrest power. Okay. And typically they operate abroad. They don't operate domestically. Okay. So intelligence and law enforcement are two different things. The only agency that also does intelligence, that's a law enforcement agency. I mean, HSI does it too, but the FBI is like pretty much the main domestic intelligence agency. Um, let's see here. Yep. I'm here to motivate y'all, man. You motivated me to go hard on my YouTube channels. That's from Mwanza Alpha. Got you. Uh, can NBA young boy beat both cases? <sighs> he going to do time guys. I'll, I'll keep it all the way. 1000 with you guys. He He's going to get convicted. I don't know if they're going to give him, maybe they might give him, you know, probation or something like that, but he, he's not, they got him on a very concrete charge, man. Felon in possession. There's no, it's very simple. You're a felon. You've been convicted of a felony. You were in possession of a firearm. They kind of got him dead to rights. At this point, it's about negotiating for, for lower time. Really, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna beat that case, especially that over there uh, in Louisiana, they, they they have a hard on for him, bro. Uh, have you ever considered reacting to random murder cases on YouTube, like Jim Can't Swim inspired? Uh, I mean, if y'all want me to, uh, NYC has some of the highest murder rates in the country, but has also some of the strictest gun laws. Thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, taking people's guns away does not lower lower violence you know what i'm saying this has been shown you know as a matter of fact like states like new hampshire where gun ownership is high like has some of the lowest cr gun crime rates whereas like places like chicago and illinois that have like uh, sorry uh, sh places like illinois new york california etc that have very strict gun laws they have some of the highest um uh gun violence you know what i'm saying so guns don't kill people people kill people so uh let's see here what else do we got uh Glock 9 Orlando, I could potentially do that. They, they, they're looking at a, at a state RICO case, guys, which re, state RICO cases are not as strong as the feds. Uh, how can we become CIA? I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. Does FBI or HSI hire hackers? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they hire people with, with uh, tech backgrounds. <laughs> you still got friends over at the agency? Yeah, for sure. You know? Uh, let's see here. Tory Lane's med case. Um, yeah, once once they come up with a verdict and everything, I could definitely do it. Rollo Fed case. Who's Rollo? I don't know who Rollo is. Uh, can you review the Boozy case and how he got it overturned? Uh, potentially. Can you kill someone while you're undercover? No. <laughs> hey, Myron, can Melly get a pardon? Uh, yeah, it would have to be presidential, but I don't foresee him getting a pardon on a murder case. No way. Um, 
and the president would have to do it like he did for Kodak Black, and that's not easy. And for a murder case, they, they ain't going to do it. You know, they did it for Lil Wayne. They did it for Kodak. But you guys got to remember it was like, you know, a gun charge. Like, it's not really like technically violent crime. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a double homicide premeditated? That's definitely going to be a... Nope. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. I'm looking through your questions, guys. I want to get a lot of these answered for y'all. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> guys, I'm going to say this. You guys can get mad, get mad at me if you want. The Kyle Rittenhouse case is probably one of the most clear-cut self-defense cases I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's amazing to me that they even speculated that it wasn't self-defense. Crazy to me, bro. Them, the, the left went wild on that one, bro. Like, what the hell? Like, they were out here pointing out a bunch of false information. He shot black people. No. <laughs> the people who killed were actually Caucasian. One of them being a, 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 you know, a child toucher, you know what I'm saying, who deserved, in my opinion, to, to lose his life anyway because he's a scumbag. So, yeah, it was, it was the most clear-cut case of self-defense, 1,000%. Like, my man, he was, he was running away, guys. And, and they literally, he fell, and then they came at him with, with a skateboard and trying to fuck his ass up. One guy came at him with a gun. Bro, clear-cut. And for those, oh, it was just a skateboard. Guys, do you know what will happen if you get hit with a skateboard across the head? Bro, a skateboard is a deadly weapon. It can 100% be interpreted as a deadly weapon and with those facts and circumstances. My man came at him like this. Bro, if you get hit in the head with a skateboard, especially like where the trucks are, where the, that holds the wheels, that's solid steel. You done. Could kill you. No, you absolutely cannot buy guns for your friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you could. there's a way to like gift it, but yeah, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that, guys. Don't, don't buy it. That's called straw purchasing, my friends, and you can get in trouble for that. Um, hey, Myron, this past September, Eric Holder, a.k.a. Nipsey Adesson, got a new court date March 1st, 2022. Please, can you do a breakdown on him? Uh, yeah, I can, but he, he's, he's done. I mean, it's pretty clear cut that he was a shooter. There's witnesses and everything. Like, he, 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 he donezo. And he's a gang member. They're going to go after him with, with you know, crazy. Okay, so, okay, guys, so we're going to get wrapping up here in a second. Um, guys, in the, uh, in the comments below, I want you guys to tell me what case you want me to break down next. The case that gets the most likes, I'm going to do next week for y'all. I'm going to do the K-Flock case. Don't worry. That one's still, I'm waiting on the last piece of Because I don't want to jump the gun. A lot of people did the K-Flock thing, but they didn't do it with all the facts. I have a lot of the facts with me. And I got the court paperwork, which I haven't seen other people with. But I'm waiting to get some reports. And then, you know, and, 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 and see his court date hearing and then go from there. But I want y'all to comment below right after I finish the stream what y'all want to see next, okay? Whatever gets the most comments, I'll break down. Do not say K-Flock because I'm already going to do it. That's, that's set in stone. I'm doing K-Flock. I'm already ready for it. I just need a couple more pieces of information. And then, and then here in the chat, just so I can kind of get a feel for it, type what you guys want me to break down. What case you guys want me to break down? Do it in the chat, and then I'm going to also look at the comments. Let's see here. I'm looking at the chat right now. Okay, I see O-Block, Rollo, Tory Lanes, Chapo, Vibs Cartel. Okay. And guys, do me a favor. Like the video, bro. Get me to 2,000 likes. There's 2,200 y'all in here right now. So like the video. Like. The video. All right, we're at 2K. Okay, Tax Stone, Tory Lane, Pooh Shiesty, Tupac, Young Dolph, uh, NBA Young Boy, Epstein, Erbo, 
Lanes, Nipsey Hustle, Taxstone, Rollo, these nuts. <laughs> uh, why Big Meats didn't get a pardon? Okay. The reason why Big Meats didn't get a pardon, guys, is because he was he was the he was a top guy in the drug trafficking organization. That's why. They built a really strong case against him. I watched the documentary on that. Detroit uh, DEA got him. That was not. They had him dead to rights. Wife and Lucci. Okay. <laughs> See some trolls in the comments. You guys are hilarious. Alec Baldwin Epstein. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah, guys. So comment below. Whatever gets the most likes, I'm going to do. Um, and other than that, guys, thank you so much. I love y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Give me some flame emojis if you guys enjoyed this and you want to see more thorough breakdowns like this where I actually read the court documents with you guys. You know, I was a little worried, like, hey, man, maybe I might bore them or put them to sleep or whatever, but I wanted to really go through it and give you guys the investigator's perspective on how they analyze the case. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I see a lot of lawyers breaking it down and everything else like that, but I want to give you all the investigator's perspective on how they do things. Okay, fantastic. I see y'all really enjoyed that. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah, that's definitely the most thorough breakdown of the Melly case on the internet right now. Because I've seen a couple of videos and, and that one right there, you know, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I got to give myself a pat on the back one for that one. Uh, Awesome, awesome, awesome. Glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, Cool. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. We're going to, I think we're going to do potentially three podcasts tomorrow. We're still, we're going to have Brandon Carter on and then we're going to have a nighttime show. Those two are set in stone and then we might do a New Year's recap for you guys if we can get some things in place. But we're giving you all at least two shows tomorrow, 7 p.m. on Fresh and Fit and then, uh, with Brandon Carter and then uh, probably around 10 p.m. with uh, 10 p.m. with uh, the ladies, 10, 10, 30. So love you guys. Thank you guys so much for uh, for uh, for tuning in. This is a great show. And uh, yeah, man, I hope I hope Melly, you know, uh, I really hope is that, you know, he, he pleads guilty and doesn't get like, doesn't try to take it to trial, guys. Because I think, I per honestly think if he takes it to trial, uh, he's going to lose and they're going to go after him with the death penalty. You know what I'm saying? Because it was such a, you know, it was such a heinous crime and it were his friends and he's a gang member. So they're going to, they're going to really try to come after him. And he's a young guy, man. He's, he's like, oh, he's in his early twenties. So, uh, anyway, love you guys. Peace. Support Melly. Listen to his music, man. And, and I hope, you know, he can get out of this somehow. But from what I'm seeing, it, it, man, it, it sucks as a fan. Me too, speaking as a fan, it sucks. Peace.